Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. For the Spirit of the Lord to do something wonderful in this place today, beyond what we could even dare imagine in our heart. And so don't limit God in your mind. How about it? And just let the Spirit of the Lord do a work in our lives as we gather into this place today. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses number 4 and 5. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. While you're you're finding that, I want to thank the Lord and just say how humbled I am that for the last couple of weeks, we have had some just great preaching from behind this pulpit and that of Brother Davis. I really appreciated the Lord just using him and him availing himself. And I uh, would tell you again that if you have not or if you were unable to be here last Sunday or Wednesday to uh, please purchase that CD and make that a part of your library and listen to it again and again and let the Spirit of God touch your heart. I was humbled beyond words last night at at the turnout, not only the turnout, but the spirit of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord uh, that was in this place to touch hearts and to, and to give hope, amen. I pray last night was far more than just a season of entertainment, but uh, I remember when my wife and I first married, we didn't live too far from a small little airport, uh, Bartow Airport, and uh, from our home, you could see that beacon light even though we were miles away. In dark, clear nights, you could see that light as it just made its passing. And, and uh, that was not for decoration. That, that was not to be seen uh, just by men to be impressed. But that was, that was to help people find hope. Amen. That was to help people find home. And uh, so I, I pray last night that if nothing else was accomplished, if I think there was, but if nothing else was accomplished, I just trust there was a beacon of light that went round and round and round and let it shine and let it prove that there is hope in this world. The book of 1 Corinthians 2 and 4, the Bible says in my speech, this is of course Paul writing, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And if I would word that any differently today for a better understanding, Paul is saying that our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but our faith should stand in the power of God. And so with that, uh, as one book in this morning, I want to preach to you from this thought, where faith stands 
where faith stands. It doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but it stands in the power of God. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I believe that in short, I believe that in short, we could say that faith stands in the demonstration and the power of God. I truly believe that, and I, let me preface what I'm about to say with this. I know that God moves in, as the scripture talks about, sundry ways or diverse or different ways. So every service is not going to be the same. Thank God for that. Every, every service is not going to play out in, in the same fashion, the same order. And so um, while we have diverse moves of the Lord or, or different presentations of God's or manifestations of God's spirit in our services. I want to say that no matter what kind of service we have, whether it is fast and loud or whether it is slow and soft, that there should be some measure of demonstration of what we've been either singing about, testifying about, or preaching about. Because if we just come in here and sing about this and talk about this and preach about this and say, well, let's all go home without some demonstration of, of that, then we are, we are selling ourselves incredibly short. And so that's why I, I believe that that demonstration doesn't have to necessarily come at the end of a service or, or when it's all said and done. Obviously, that's, that's uh, more times than not where we have that experience. However, I would say that, that because we need the Spirit of God to have the liberty to demonstrate, that's why we need to be actively involved in, and engaged in every aspect of the service. So we shouldn't come in. What I'm saying is this, we shouldn't come in and just sit down and, uh, and, and view this as just a season of entertainment. But we need, to, we need Holy Ghost-filled people need to make room for there to be demonstration in, in any given service at any given moment. We need the power of the Lord to, uh, in, in worship, in our response to worship. Then we make room for the Spirit of God to demonstrate what we're singing about. And so we uh, talk about going to the enemy's camp, going to take back what he stole from me. And, and uh, if, we just, if we just stand like statues and read the words off the wall, then it's just going to be little more than words on the wall. But, amen, if, if I am correct, and I'm sure that I am, there's some folks that I'm looking at this morning that have gone to the enemy's camp. Amen, and like David and the men, when they came home from Ziglag, they went, whoop, they went and said, there's something missing, and uh, some of them were so overwhelmed with mourning that they couldn't even retrieve, but the others said, well, you stay home and recover, Amen, and while you're gone, we're gonna go be not only ours, but we're gonna get back what belongs to you. Amen, amen. We're talking about people that were overwhelmed in the battle. I'm not picking on them. I'm thankful there, there have been times I didn't have the strength to go to the enemy's camp. But I'm glad at those times I had allied myself with someone that said, that's all right. You, you just bandage your wounds. You, but here's what you need to do is build a fire, get the water hot because they're coming home. And so we have to make room for demonstration. And so when the preaching is going on, amens are not something to just motivate the speaker. Although that does motivate the speaker. 
But those are not those are not just to impress somebody around you. But what we're trying to do is make room. And so when the preacher says God's a healer, Amen. Somebody that's been healed ought to say Amen. That's the truth. That is right. And what you're saying is so so be it. I mean that is it's happened in my life, or I'm claiming it for my life. And so what are we doing? We are making room for demonstration by our response to the Spirit of God and His Word. However, absent that flowing of the Spirit and absent the demonstration of the Lord in our lives, our faith just will not stand forever. We need that demonstration in our lives. We need the the moving of God. There must be a consistent flow of the Spirit of the Lord in our lives in order that we might be able to stay in the place that God has planted us in the beginning. He made us emotional creatures. We are, we are very emotional. Even the most stoic person in this building is an emotional person. And uh, you just find certain areas of, the, of their life and, and they're stirred, they're moved beyond tears. You know, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, some people wanna make fun of Jacob because he, because he kissed the love of his life and cried. Well, I'm not gonna make fun of him. I've been there. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a little slow getting all the way to the back of the building, but I, uh, yeah. So you macho champs, just keep keep on with your veneer. <laughs> we all know better. I've been there. I'm, you make fun of Jacob, you better make fun of me. Amen. I, we're emotional creatures. We're emotional creatures. I believe. I just believe Scripture doesn't say it. John said, "If everything were written that." could be written, the world wouldn't contain it. So I think some things we know are absent from the word of God. I believe that, I believe she may have had a tear in her eye. That's just what I believe. That's just what I believe. I believe they were crying together. Lord, help us, Jesus. Amen. If the enemy of our soul can eliminate a real encounter between God and his creator... If he can eliminate a real encounter between God and his creator, then no matter what I know or no matter what I believe, my faith will not stand if there is a severing of relationship between me and our maker. And so what causes my faith to stand is all found in the demonstration of the spirit of God. And that's why the devil does everything he can to distract us in this hour And I know this has been said so many times, it's almost become mundane, but it's really the truth if you think about it. That we're living in the first generation uh, to ever experience so many time saving uh, tools. We we have everything at our at our fingertips, and and yet the thing that we have the least of is time. So with all these time saving tools, we have. Uh, found many times that if we're not careful, they can just become distractions. And so what we're fighting in this hour, uh, apart from sin, I'm certainly not discounting the power of sin, but what we're fighting in this, in this very hour is the spirit of distraction. Just, we're just people are distracted. They're busy doing other things and their life is filled with too many things. And what happens is when the enemy gets us distracted, what he is trying to, in a sinister way, carry out is, is trying to prohibit us from an encounter with God. That's why when you kneel down and pray, everything under the moon comes to your mind. While I've been praying, I've, while I've been praying, I remembered where I said a document that I was looking for or my keys and, and I wasn't praying. That wasn't spiritual. That wasn't that I was asking God, show me where my keys are. 
And you know what? If I'm not careful, I'll get up for my prayer and I'll go take care of those things. Amen. So uh, I, I try to be harmless uh, as doves, but wise as a serpent. So when I pray, I have a notepad and a pen in my hand. And not only can I remember those spiritual things that God may drop in my heart, but I also remember those things that are distractions that would try to stop me from an encounter with God. I've often said that you just can't, you can stand in church and feel the presence of the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. We've already experienced that today. But we just can't stand here, feel God, and evolve into what God wants us to be. It takes some response on our part. It takes some action on our part. You can't just attend church and then somehow mystically, mysteriously become what God has designed for us to be. That's why David said it this way in the 16th Psalm in verse number 11. He said, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. The key to all of this is in thy presence. That's where I find my hope. I gotta understand that it's in the presence of the Lord that I experience the demonstration of his spirit and his power. And so I just can't, nor can you come into church and just stand around the peripheral edge, watch other people worship, watch other people pray, watch other people plug in, watch other people this, that, the other, and then all of a sudden something is going to supernaturally transform you. That's not how it works. No more than you can stand outside of an emergency room and watch people go in and go out and all of a sudden your wounds just get stitched and all of a sudden all of your eels become well. We've got to walk in. We've got to become a participant. We've got to be actively engaged in our relationship with God in order to experience that for myself. For myself. It really doesn't matter. Uh, the devil, it really doesn't matter to the devil what you believe. It doesn't matter to him what you think. It doesn't matter to him what you've experienced in times past. What he is trying to do is distract us from the next encounter with God. There's testimonies all across this house. Not a few of what God has done in individual lives. Many, many testimonies across this house of what God has done in our yesterdays. And the enemy can't erase that. He can't go back in time and take that away. But, so that's why he's working overtime to frustrate what God wants to do in our tomorrow. What God wants to do in my present, in my right now. And so I, I want to be engaged. The work has been done. The stage has been set. And I want to realize that my faith is going to stand in demonstration. Faith does come, the scripture says, by the hearing of the word of God, but you've also got to have power and demonstration in your own life if you're going to survive. You can hear all the preaching you wanna hear, but somewhere you gotta get up and you've got to apply that word to your life and claim that for yourself. I gotta say, you know what? I'm gonna take that home. And, and I, I don't try to close services this way just to have some little tradition or just to go through the motions, but many, many times when we're around the front of this building, I ask us to pray as we close our service by saying, I'm gonna receive this word. I'm, I'm not just gonna hear it with my ears. I'm not gonna let it just glance off my mind, glance off my spirit, but I'm gonna reach out. I'm gonna pull this in. I don't understand how it's all gonna work out. I don't understand how it's all gonna play out, but I receive that word in Jesus' name. I'm gonna pull that into my heart and in my life. And so I pray that the 
the anointing of the Lord will help us to do just that very thing today. When we experience a demonstration, for instance, of healing in our own life, then and only then does your faith stand and survive in that particular area. We have to understand something here that what God has done, the enemy cannot undo. And uh, I was encouraged, Brother Davis talked about the, um, the lady that knocked on the pastor's door and, and had, had, uh, was experiencing cancer again and she was excited about not the fact that she had cancer, but she said, I know if he's healed me of this once, he can do it again. I thought, my word, what a tremendous, what a tremendous faith, amen. Why, where was her faith standing? Her faith wasn't hinged on some message that somebody preached about healing. Her faith wasn't hinged on a song someone was singing about healing, but her faith was standing on the platform of some demonstration in her life. God has already been here once, and I know that he will do it again. Hallelujah. But if the enemy can prevent that next blessing, if he can prevent that next encounter, if he can interrupt that, then if I am not careful, my faith can begin to stagger. And this is why we cannot live by or live on what happened yesterday. I love the, the history of not just this church, but of the church, period. I love the fact of, of when we just a few, um, a year or so ago did a, a study through the book of Acts and we see how the church was born and then how it was uh, persecuted and how it was, scattered and you just begin to see how something that looked like tragedy was turned to triumph and, and uh, we see that in biblical history. Then we come, we come then into our own current world and we see how that in the history of this church sometimes the things that seem so tragic, it was, it was God's hand in it ultimately, all things working together, that God was gonna push something good out of all of that and so we see that, and, and so I, I'm so thankful for what happened yesterday, but I can't live, I can't live on just what happened yesterday. I don't know how many may remember this, and I don't wanna uh, deviate too far or too long, but I, I remember several years ago that Brother Mooney preached a message, and uh, it, it inspired my life, and, and uh, I, I went home and began to do something similar to this. And uh, he had preached a message. He had a literal file folder. I was sitting close enough to him to, to read on the tab that it literally said this, my God file, my God file. And he said, uh, he began to think about and he was talking about a number of things scripturally, but then he began to talk about a lot of things that had happened in his life ministry and then also in the, in the life and ministry of the church. And I just wanted to make sure that wasn't a wasp. <laughs> Long as it's a moth, we're good. But uh, and the things that happened in his life. And so he said, and, and when we begin to face things, some real trials as a church, he said, I started looking through some things. He said, every time God would do something in my life, I wrote it down and I put it in this, my God file. And so he said one night, they were just, if you were there, remember this message, you can remember the details of this story of how it was the 1159, it was the last minute of the last hour and they were needing God to do something. He said, I went to my office and in prayer, I opened this file and I started laying all this out before the Lord. I know you can do this, why? Because you were here, you were here, you were here, you were here, you were here. So amen, amen, I'm not discounting what God has done. 
that ought to serve as a catalyst to help us into our future. But you see, what Brother Mooney and what Calvary Tabernacle needed right then was not another, another glance at history because they were in a different chapter, another day. It, was a, it had nothing to do with this, really. And so he said, I gotta, I gotta take this to encourage me to believe that God can move. But what we need is some demonstration. You know the rest of the story that God came through. It was at the last minute, but God's always right on time. Amen, it's us that want him to be early. <laughs> it's, it's, it's you and I that want him to show up just 30 seconds early, one time, but he's right on time. Amen. I'm, I'm, uh, I have to go back continually to make sure I am building a bridge, not just to my past, but I want a bridge into my future. One Old Testament account that really drives me to conviction is found in the book of Ezra chapter three. I've mentioned this many times here and other places, but at the outset of the rebuilding of the temple, just as the foundation was being laid, there came a division in the camp while one generation was overjoyed at the prospect of rebuilding the temple, there stood another generation in that same camp that bemoaned the fact that this was not like it was in their day. And so it, the scripture leaves us with a strong impression that you could hardly discern the, the mourning from the praise, that there was such a, uh, just, just such a mixture of emotions in the camp. And I, I say this with great deference to every elder that is sitting in this house today, and I mean that from my heart. I'm thankful for where God has brought us. I'm thankful for where we have been, amen. But where we have been has on, is only been a highway to bring us to where we are going, amen. Let's don't build a barricade across the road and say, well, this is wonderful, this is fine, and we must stop here. But I believe that God is wanting us to stand firm and move forward in what he wants for all of us, amen. And so we must, at all costs, reach for the next thing that God wants to do in our midst. Jesus said himself, this is what the Lord said, that every man shall not live by bread alone, but every man should live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Countless times I have said the word proceedeth, amen, indicates that there is an ongoing, a proceeding voice of God. And so if the Lord could speak to someone in 1920, if the Lord could speak to someone in 1960, if the Lord could speak to someone in 2000, he is, there's a proceeding voice of God that is going forth. I want to tune in to that voice of God and realize that this generation and in this hour we need demonstration just like they had under the brush arbor, just like they had in the tent meetings. We need demonstration just like they had in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. We need that kind of demonstration because that is where our faith stands. That's where our faith stands. I refuse to try to live on the fumes of past experiences or live just out of the testimonial book of yesterday or yesteryear. I'm thankful to have testimonies. I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. And for some reason unknown to me, I, I have found myself. I have just found my, myself in the last couple of years or so, even maybe the last year more specifically, I have found myself talking more about 
the past, more about what God has done. I, I don't know where that's coming from, but I just feel to share some things on my heart about where God has brought us. I think that that will encourage the generation that's following us. Amen, I think those testimonies will encourage those that are behind to realize that if God was there then for them, he will be there for me now. I remember Brother Billy McCool talking about when they first went to Knoxville and, and they were just struggling in every conceivable way, trying to give birth to a church in that city, trying to build something for the cause of the kingdom. And he said, we had a bill for $10 that we could not pay. And you know, that almost seems like laughable today with everybody sitting here with credit cards in your pocket. So if you don't have $10 cash, and even if you don't have a debit card, if you don't have $10 in your bank account, you got some way, chances are, uh, maybe not everybody, I, I don't want to to speak with a too broad a brush here today, but we, you understand what I'm saying? We've got access to it. But he's talking about a day that there was no way. If you didn't have it, you just didn't have it. And he said, I don't know what we're gonna do, Lord. But he went to the mailbox and there was an envelope and in that envelope was one $10 bill. I was encouraged by that. Amen, he wasn't trying to say, come on now, Steve, I want you to go back to 19 whenever this happened and I want you to build your life here. I want you to build your home here. I want you to build your ministry here. But he was throwing some seed ahead to say, if God could give me 10 at a time, of need, he can give you 10,000 in a time of need. If God could give us 10, he could give us 100,000. Are you hearing me? Amen. God's not limited to this. He's not limited to that. Amen. He wants us to move forward. Hallelujah. So I just say this in Jesus' name. I'm going to continue to talk about the past. Not because that's where I want to build my life, but I want everybody here to know if he was God then, if he was God in 1986, if he was God in 1989, he is God today. And this is where our faith will stand. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is where our faith will stand. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> I know you folks almost dread having guest speakers because you say, look at him over there, look at him. He's just getting pumped up. He's just getting pumped up. <laughs> Somebody's saying, Brother Davis, where are you? <laughs> Save us. <laughs> Amen. I have come this morning for a brand new baptism in the Holy Ghost. Amen, if we are what God wants us to be, then I'm gonna have to strive with every fiber of my soul. I gotta pause here and tell you something. I feel God in this house. I'm not talking about just a little squiggly feeling. I feel a powerful move of the spirit of God. I feel like, Brother Jerry, I got my hand on something today. I feel like you've got your hand on something in this house today. God is wanting to do something. That's why, oh, that's why my morning prayer this morning was much like my morning prayer yesterday morning. I don't know what this day is gonna hold for me. I have no idea where these feet are gonna find themselves. I have no idea who I'm gonna be talking to, but oh God, you do. And so I need a fresh anointing. I need some power. Why? I gotta build a platform where my faith can stand. I gotta do something where my faith can stand. I need some demonstration of your spirit, of your power, of your anointing, of your authority. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, ho, ho, ho. 
Oh, Jesus, help us in this day. Jesus, help us in this day. We, we would be terribly kidding ourselves to think that we can what we received last week or last month or last year would be enough to carry us through. The devil knows this, and that's why he's working overtime right now. You know what he's working on? Your next encounter with God. You know what he's trying to frustrate? Your next prayer meeting. Your, the next time you speak in tongues. He's trying, to, he's trying to frustrate the next time you feel led to step out. He can't do anything about what you did last Sunday. He can't do anything about your response to Wednesday night's message. He can't even do anything about how you responded last night during our holiday program. So he's trying to frustrate and distract and get you to do anything this morning but to step in to a demonstration of the Spirit of God because he knows this is where our faith stands. This is where our faith stands. He'll use whatever he can and he'll use whoever he can. He'll use physical fear or sickness. He'll use financial distress in your personal life or in your business. He'll, he'll use uncertainty of employment, so family discord. He'll use the spirit of discord between you and someone that you love or you ought to love. Amen. As a matter of fact, the Bible even talks about that, that, that anonymous cares of life can be enough to choke out the power of God. Let me, let me rephrase that. The cares of life can be enough to choke out the word of God. Now you think about that. Another message for another day, but his words, listen, the power of his word, we, see not, we don't see a greater display of the power of God's word than Genesis 1. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. Yet, he said the cares of this world, cares of this life, could choke out something as powerful as the word? Sure. Because you're so distracted here, 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 here. Amen, so we gotta be careful. We have to work so hard to control our environment because the devil wants to be the one deciding your next encounter and not you. And I'm just gonna be very plain and upfront with you today. You just can't live your life to the wind all week long and come to church. I don't care how good you look. You can have your Sunday best on, but you, you can't just be shenanigan around all week long. And then come in and God is gonna do something supernatural. You gotta live the life, walk the walk, talk the talk. It doesn't mean there's perfect people in here. Amen, even people that are saying amen right now are not perfect people. The man you're looking at is not a perfect man. That's right. But I can tell you that I am intentionally looking for places that would distract the Spirit of God in my life with great purpose and intent. I don't wanna, I don't wanna do something that I, I gotta try to shake the image of that out of my head. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna read something that I got now. Now I gotta try to get all that out of my mind. I mean, you know, I, I'm just searching all the time for that one button you could push and just erase everything, right? <laughs> I wish I didn't know what I did know sometimes. And so that's why, let me just talk to busybodies for a second. I know there's none here, but I'm talking about somebody on the internet will hear this or a CD or something. While you're running around trying to gather up all this junk, you're loading your wagon to the point 
that one day it's gonna be gnawing ruts in the dirt. And you're gonna wonder what's wrong. And what's wrong is because it's because you've run around trying to find out everything you can about everybody you can. Amen, and hear me today. If you're not part of the problem and if you're not part of the solution, you need to stay out. Stay out. I'm telling you this for your own good. Why? Because the more you know, the more you're gonna have to pray over. The more you pull in, the more you're gonna have to push out. The more grime you get on, the harder you're gonna have to scrub to get it off. Amen. <laughs> That's the truth. That is the truth. Amen. So we need to, I just pastored there for just a few moments, but I'm back. Amen. <laughs> but be careful, be careful because the enemy wants to frustrate your next encounter with God. And so we need to let the spirit of the Lord touch us and anoint us and help us that we can realize where my faith stands. My faith is standing in a demonstration. The enemy wants to plant just enough confusion in your life that you can forget the God that we serve is bigger than anything we could ever face in this life. Calvary's cross will cast a large enough shadow that we'll be okay. We'll be okay. That's why we need to have enough spirit to be able to discern when the enemy is at work. And this is not always easy. There's some mighty spiritual people in this house this morning, and I say that seriously that have gotten caught up momentarily at least in some little wind of confusion, then all of a sudden it dawns on you, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the enemy at work. I need to discern that. I need to, wait a minute, I, wait a minute. I'm not going to fall for this. I'm not going to dance just because he's playing a tune. I'm not going to jump out and start running and chasing down something that is just a distraction from the enemy. Amen. I'm not saying I have this 100%, but I will tell you this. I am conscious of this every service. I wanna, I wanna pray before church. I wanna study before you get here to get my message. I don't wanna wait till you get here to figure out what to preach. Because if I do, I'll be chasing rabbits all day. That makes sense? Just going from one thing to the other, from one thing to the other, one thing to the other. I wanna hear from God. I wanna be open to that, sensitive to the Lord because something may happen in the course of the service that, that the enemy just wants to distract you and get you off talking about all this and not something that's very, very important. Does that make sense? I hope, I hope it does. That's why we need the spirit of discernment. If not, we, we, will, we will not have the power and the ability to overcome the enemy's tricks because he knows that in demonstration, that's excuse me, where our faith is gonna stand. Jesus said this, it's not on the screen, but hear me. Jesus said this in Luke 10 and 19. Behold, I give you unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing. Can you say that, nothing? And nothing, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And so the devil has ability, and I, I think we would be unwise to not recognize that. The devil does have ability, but he doesn't have authority. <laughs> He can frustrate our lives, but he just doesn't have the authority to frustrate our lives. <laughs> he has ability. He can torment your mind with fear, but he didn't have the authority to do that. 
He can do a lot of things with ability to harass us, but he doesn't have the authority to do that. And so I say that's why the church should arise and take the authority. He had the ability to cause a woman with an issue of blood to suffer for years. He had the ability to do that, but he really didn't have the authority to do that. That's why when she met the real authority, her blood was stopped. Amen, amen. He had, the, he had the authority over that. Jesus had the authority over that. So I need to open myself to that experience. And so it's time that we experience God again. And so I ask questions like this a lot of times, not to make people feel guilty or to try to sound condemning, but I want it to be a question that we really answer in our spirit. And that question is, how long has it been since you had an encounter with God? Amen, if you got the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues, let me ask you something. How long has it been since you spoke in tongues? Amen. How long has it been? How long has it been since you renewed that and let the Spirit of God just stir your heart afresh? How long has it been since you just lost all of your inhibitions about worshiping the Lord? You know, I, I don't imagine you had a lot of inhibitions the night you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You didn't care who was there praying. You didn't care what they were saying. You didn't care what they were doing. You just were so desperate for a move of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember, I remember a, 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 an elder that's really been a mentor to me through the years. He said when he was a young man and uh, he, was, he was raised in a very prejudiced environment. He just didn't like black folks. He, he didn't like uh, the people of that race. And, and there was a man in the church, attending the church, and he said, I just didn't like him. I had no encounters with him in the past, but I just didn't like him because uh, of his heritage. He was an African-American man. I didn't agree with that. And so I wasn't gonna have anything to do with this. I kept seeking for the Holy Ghost, kept seeking for the Holy Ghost, never could get the Holy Ghost. And he said, one night I was just praying and so desperate. And I said, Lord, I just want the Holy Ghost no matter what. And he said, I just broke through something in my spirit and began to, the Lord began to move through him. He began to speak with tongues as the spirit of the Lord gave utterance. He said, I just went around hugging people's necks and was just blindly shaking their hands and hugging and crying. He said, the next thing I knew, I was arm in arm with the man I hated. Because God will take all that nonsense out of you. Amen. God will take all that nonsense out of you. Hallelujah. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Oh, Lord. So how long has it been since we lost our inhibitions and said, God, even if I had to go where I don't want to go, do what I don't want to do, I want you to touch and move in my life. I need demonstration in my spirit. Hallelujah. Amen, I know that many of you know him and have experienced him, but the key to all of this is to keep experiencing him. Amen. You know, we, we joke around about this, realize I suppose it's not a joke, or I hope you're joking when you say this. People talk about, you know, a husband tell his wife, I told you 30 years ago, I love you, ever changed my mind, I'll let you know. Well, that's a poor premise. <laughs> that's a poor premise. Sir, you're living on dangerous ground, you hear me? Because <laughs> you will go to sleep at night and you don't know what they're doing. <laughs> don't mess with people that cook your food. <laughs> do, not, do not mess with people that cook your food or dole out your medicine. Those are two just off limits. I'm just, I'm just giving some wisdom here. Amen, we're gonna have to receive two offerings if I keep on here today. This is some good stuff. Amen. 
<laughs> My Lord, what are we talking about? I don't want to just say, well, I told you, Lord, I love you. I want to experience that again. I, I want that. You know what? You know what the old, the old, old songwriter wrote and the old elders sing? It gets sweeter as the days go by. Amen. It gets richer. It gets fuller. It gets sweeter as the day goes by. And you know what? I found out that wasn't just a song. I found out that wasn't just one man having a good day. I found out that wasn't just one musician that thought that had a catty catch or tune. Hallelujah. It really does get sweeter as the day Days go by. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My, oh, my experiences today, Brother Gibson, mean so much more than they did yesterday because I know him so much better. I understand him so much more. This is where my faith is going to stand. This is where my faith is going to stand. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. My Lord, I felt the Holy Ghost last night. I felt the spirit of God in this house last night. But I walked in that side door a moment ago saying, but God, I need you today. I need you today. The sun has rose again. It's another day and I need your anointing. I need your power. I'm thirsty for you, Lord. I'm thirsty for you, Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, I need you more. I need you more. I need one more encounter. One more encounter. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Zechariah 4 and 6. Watch this. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The Bible begins with God moving, and it ends with God moving. We would be wise to understand that. That means he just doesn't stop moving in the middle. So I've got to keep pushing. So I want God moving in me, on me, through me all the days of my life because it is the anointing of God, the moving of God that breaks the yoke. We can't sing it out, praise it out. We can't program it out. We can't schedule it out. If the mountain moves, it's only gonna move because the power of God spoke to it. And so I say again, the devil's not worried about what I have experienced in my past. But I promise you, he's real nervous about what God is wanting to do here today. And so I say again, Lord, anoint me afresh for this day, a fresh oil flowing over me, and that's the reason why. No matter how perfect, no matter how pure we are, if oil just sits, then it loses its power, or it loses some of its properties. Now, I'm not trying to open this up for debate, but there's a reason why the little sticker in the inside of your window when you get your oil changed says you need to change it in this many miles or in this many months. Because whether you use it or no, you still lose it. You can't just sit it on a shelf and something not happen to it. And so that means that even if you don't drive your car or your automobile, because it begins to break down, lose its viscosity and becomes rancid, it ceases to do, in other words, what it once had the ability to do. 
And so you can't just look at the odometer, in other words, you gotta look at the calendar. <laughs> Amen. So that means I need a fresh encounter with God. I don't wanna just have an experience and set it on the shelf. 1 Samuel 27, the first few verses of that, I think verses one through seven, something like that, tells about a several months, somewhere around a 16 month period or season of David's life when he succumbed to the circumstances of his life. He grew tired from, from, of running from Saul and, then, and the Bible says as long as he dwelt in Gath that, that he no longer sought to kill him. And so when you look at where David was dwelling, there was a consistent referral to the word south. In verse 10, that word south means dry. So when king, the king asked him where he had been, let me just put it this way. David said, I've been in a dry place. And this little moment of so, soberness here. Can I ask you this morning, if somebody asks you where you've been, would that really be your, if you were being honest, if you were really being truthful? I, I feel a real serious spirit of God. And so I'm asking you to be honest, not with me, but be honest with yourself and with your God. If God asked you where you've been, would your answer be, I've been in a dry place. I've been in a dry place too long. I've been in a dry place. Now this was the same David now, listen, that had been anointed with the horn of oil. That's what the scripture said by Samuel in chapter 16. And so when you talk about getting anointed with a horn of oil, I don't have an exact measurement. I'm sure we could find some at least estimate of that. But let's be fair and just say this. This is the most important point. He, he wasn't anointed like we anoint folks today. This wasn't a drop or two of anointing, but he had, had oil poured on him. And so even though he had this oily experience of times past, the dust and the dirt of today's journey had dried the oil. He was in a dry place. And so he was in dire need of a fresh anointing. And so the hand of the same God that had touched him just 11 chapters or so before, now he's been running for his life, hiding from Saul, and he needed a touch from God. And he knew it wasn't just important, but this is imperative. I must get a hold of God. And so if we're not careful today, this is the really gonna be the truth to us. The, the fact that there are people here this morning and there are churches all across our fellowship that are full of people that have lost their joy and they surrendered their smile a long time ago. They have no strength, but it's not because they were never anointed. It's because they failed to understand that the anointing can grow old and it can lose its savor, its luster, its power. That's why we've got to have a fresh anointing. I, I need to hurry, and, and if our ushers need to bring the Sunday school in, somebody let them know that, if you will, Brother Jack, please, and uh, Brother Jack Reed, and uh, <clears throat> because they have failed to understand that. When Moses came down off the mountain after having undeniably stood in the presence of God, he was wearing a veil over his face, and I want you to just stay with me now. Our, our Sunday school students are going to come in, and don't let that distract you. Stay with me. When Moses came down off the mountain, he had an incredible experience with God. Put this scripture up, if you will. 2 Corinthians 3.13. <clears throat> and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. 
Okay? Now, I know in our daily Bible reading, we just go, whoom. Well, let me grab you by the shoulders just a minute and slow you down. The Bible says that Moses put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Moses wasn't doing this to hide the anointing on his face. But Sister Baggett, the, Moses veiled his face because he didn't want the children of Israel to see that the glow of God was fading away. Let that marinate a minute. That the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. I wonder if we're wearing veils today. I wonder if we're just wearing veils so nobody can really see that the anointing is lifting from our lives. I wonder if that's, I wonder if that's our deal. And we, we come to church in our Sunday best. This is clean. We come to church in our Sunday best. <laughs> well, I, I would want to know that if it was me. <laughs> We wear, we wear a veil. We wear a veil. That way, praise the Lord, Brother Bobby Gibson. How you doing? Great. Wonderful. But we want a veil so nobody can see what we're really going through. So nobody can see that what had been maybe is lifting. Amen. I say this morning, take off the veil. Amen, take off the veil. Let's quit playing church if you are. Let's quit pretending if you are. Let's say, Lord, I wanna be serious and sober about this thing. Amen, I pray that the Spirit of God helps us to understand that we gotta lean in. We must lean in. Who are we to think that what we experienced decades ago is gonna last if I don't continually go back again and again and again and again? Amen, if you have been married for any given amount of time at all, then you understand that in time, the wedding cake spoils. In time, in time, the, the, the moment, it's just captured now on some form of media. It's just there, but it's fading with time. It's fading with time. And so if I am gonna survive, if we are to survive the curves that life throws our way, I'm gonna have to fall in love again and again and again and again. Praise God. I feel like saying something this morning. I'm not just saying this for the sake of the sermon and I, I'm not trying to bait you with anything. But I just, this morning, we were getting dressed for church and I just stuck my head around the door and I said, on a scale of one to 10, how much? Without even looking up from what she was doing, she said 11. <laughs> Amen, I'm not trying to get a Hallmark moment going here because we have our problems too. <laughs> there would be some days I wouldn't have the nerves stick my head around the corner okay I don't want to leave you with any false impressions here <laughs> she'd be waiting on me around the corner he's coming he's coming <laughs> oh lord I'm way off track <laughs> can you stand just a few more minutes I'm not preaching in the second service if that helps you I want to read a scripture here if I can find it. Okay, here we go. This may sound a little strange, but I'm, I'm trying to skip ahead. But listen to the life lesson Ezekiel teaches us. Ezekiel 1 and 1. Now it came to pass in the third 
30th year in the fourth month, the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives. This is Ezekiel saying, I was among, as I was among the captives by the river of Shabar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Wow. <laughs> wow. He was in captivity, but in captivity, the heavens opened and he saw visions of God. Even among the captives, God revealed himself. He didn't just see God, but he listened. And I want you to, he didn't just like see God at a distance, but he had an experience. He had some demonstration. Verse three says, and the word of the Lord came. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. For one hour, I've been chasing this one word. The word of the Lord came, un, came expressly unto me. I've heard people in the last few services, especially uh, the last couple of services, have sent texts, emails, and different, th- different things, even in person, some of them, to say, this was for me. Amen, I felt that way. And so the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Muzah, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river of Chabar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. So here it is that even among captives, God revealed himself to who he was. And the Bible says his word came expressly. Hear me, not vague, not just some little haze of hope, but a sure word. And I pray that there's been a sure word given in this house today. Why don't we stand? Amen. Where did this happen? The hand of the Lord was upon him there. He was, in the, he was with him in captivity, amen, in bondage, trying circumstances. At a low ebb of his life, God can move anywhere, anytime, in any way if we'll allow him to. Everything doesn't have to be just right. That's the good news. Everything doesn't have to be in center. That's the good news. Amen, I pray that God would touch us. One more scripture as we look at the consequences of this unlikely meeting. Ezekiel 2, 1 and 2. The Bible says, and he said unto me, son of man, stand upon thy feet. Stand up. But I'm in captivity. Stand up. But I'm in bondage. Stand up. But I'm not even able to make my own decisions. Stand up. Amen. I can't decide when I'm going to eat, when I'm going to sleep. Somebody else is doing that for me because of my captivity, my bondage. But the Lord said, stand up. Stand upon your feet, stand up upon thy feet and I will speak unto thee. In verse two, and the spirit of the Lord entered unto, into me when, I, when he spake unto me and set, upon, set me upon my feet and I heard him that spake unto me. What I'm trying to say to you is this morning that what we must have is an encounter with God. Amen, a demonstration. And that's, and here's the whole, the whole reason I went to Ezekiel. It's easy to have a demonstration if you're on the mountain. It's easy to have demonstration if everything's going your way. But I'm preaching to the sick. I'm preaching to the afflicted. I'm preaching to the troubled. I'm preaching this morning to somebody that everything's not all right in your life. Everything's not all right in your world. But even in bondage, the Lord spoke. And when Ezekiel answered, he said, stand up. And he came to me. He came to me. Where does our faith stand? It stands in demonstration. And God can demonstrate anywhere. Praise God. Clap your hands. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. How many will believe this? I'm gonna receive this. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let the spirit of God, come on, let's don't just worship for 15 seconds. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's a healing God. He's a demonstrating God. He's a delivering God. Hallelujah. 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 It's not time.
time to close this service. It's time to step into this service. It's not time to change what we're doing. It's time to, it's time to follow what we're doing. Oh, hallelujah. 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 And so I say, stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. I say, let the Lord set us on a rock and let his spirit touch us now. Let's love him. Amen. Let's love him. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I love you, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.